We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Welcome to the Rams Talk Pod. Damn, I did this last week too. Welcome to the Butting Heads Podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro, and I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Uh, Johnny, normally I make a joke about how the world is falling apart after Rams loss, but it kind of feels like it actually is falling apart right now. Maybe I'm going crazy. I don't know. But how you feeling, man? Uh, I'm still going to be a little on the sarcastic side, but maybe not as much so i'll just say one one time the sky is falling <laughs> yeah i mean i mean uh for all you guys that heard me on the post game show with Derek, which i hope is most of you if not all i i kind of started the show because that game was so like bizarre watching it in the fourth quarter after just how miserable it was to watch for the first three we kind of just come into the fourth quarter uh, we lose a fake pun on a, a very close play that you know ultimately made the right call. And then Akeem Tlaib gets an interception, and somehow we get some life into us. We look like the team that we should have looked like the whole game, and we almost win. So it was, it was kind of a roller coaster of emotions. And honestly, any any Rams team pretty much from like the past decade or so 
if not most NFL teams, probably roll over and die after that fake punt fails, or even before that with whatever Jared Goff's interception was that I don't even think we talked about on the postgame show. Um, but yeah, most teams roll over and die, and you know what? We didn't. We came back. We fought. So the good news is this team, they don't quit. They fight until the very end. The bad news is a lot of other things. But before we get into those other things, uh, we do want to give a shout-out to everywhere you can find Rams Talk Radio and, of course, our podcast, Butting Heads, the Rams Talk Podcast, and our friends over at Rampage Radio who do a great show, usually coming out on Thursdays and Fridays. And you can find us iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Player FM, Spotify, and iBeatRadio.com, where we air Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And yeah, of course, check out all of our shows, guys. We're putting out a lot of good content. We hope you're enjoying it. And wherever you're listening to us, rate us. Give us five stars if you're enjoying it. Tell the people why. It's only going to help us get more listeners, which is going to help us get more sponsors, which is going to help us give you more podcasts, which I know is what we all want. Okay. Anyways, the Los Angeles Rams suffered a pretty deflating and devastating defeat at the hands of the Philadelphia Eagles this week, 30-23. to Like I said, I, I was on the postgame show. I kind of got there at a lot of my grievances, but my friend Johnny here did not. So, you know, Johnny, get just let it all out there. Just give me, like, you, your initial reaction to everything about this game. Well, if we're going to do the Cliff Notes version of this, it's we played like shit. Like, without any doubt at all and if i'm gonna be a little bit more specific i mean it's it's kind of hard to just say everything but I'll, i'll give it a shot so looking at it offensively uh one of the things that uh caught my attention was well first of all the play calling was atrocious And again, we hear and not just hear, but kind of see that Todd Gurley was was banged up. But there the even if that's so, okay, yes, you you take Todd Gurley out. No doubt about it. Huge blow to the offense. But there's still running backs behind Todd Gurley. You know, it's not just the Todd Gurley show. You know, if he's if he is unable to play then you have to use the backups. There is a reason why there are, is a depth chart. And while I will full-heartedly agree that John Kelly and Justin Davis, of course, Davis went out with an injury in that game. They are no Todd Gurley. You still have to use them. You know, they're there for a reason. And they're part of the reason why they played in the preseason is like, oh, just in case Todd Gurley gets injured or you know gets tired they can actually play and yes i would prefer malcolm brown unfortunately he's gone for the rest of the regular season so okay so now you don't trust kelly big mistake in in my opinion uh the offensive line wasn't helping matters either uh you know i i feel like they're just not as cohesive primarily because i i I do think they're some nagging injuries there that are kind of slowing them down a little bit. And we all are aware of the depth issues there. And so if these guys are unable to go, you know, you basically have rookies uh, that 
you know, don't have enough experience quite yet. So there's that. You have a very, very shell-shocked Jared Goff, who doesn't seem to know how to tie his own cleats lately. You know, don't get me wrong. It's not, it's, it's, it's definitely something to be concerned about because yes, he's getting a ton of pressure and it's fine if he, if he throws the ball away or if he takes the sack, I'd rather him do that, but he's not doing that. He instead, he's not holding onto the football. He has like a weird fumble toss thing in the Philly game. I don't even know what to <laughs> what, call that. To whatever that was. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And on top of that, you know, some of these passes are just, you know, you have to wonder what went wrong there. Some, some of them, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because one of the things that did also kind of irritate me is that some of these receivers are not attacking the football. So you have hungry secondary, uh, players, on the Eagles that, yeah, they, they're going to go for that football. And, you know, that makes this, that makes Jared Goff's job a lot harder. And this is a Goff that's struggling also. So that, that really doesn't help. Okay. Rant over on the offense. Now time for the defense. Can anybody not named Aaron Donald actually put pressure? Where the hell happened to, Sue, why are we paying him this much money when he can't draw any pressure and it's Donald that's getting, you know, double to triple team and Donald's still making plays. I know he's no Aaron Donald, but he should be able to actually get to the quarterback or the running back, but it's not happening. And on top of that, Dante Fowler was quiet in this game too. What's happening here? Linebackers, uh, do we have them? Are they physically <laughs> on the field? Because they, it, it's just like it's kind of incredible. Because you you see like there there's absolutely no reason to be running a three four defense at this point because there's no linebackers. You need at least at least a, a two decent linebackers to make a 3-4 defense work. And at this point, we don't have them with the exception of maybe Corey Littleton. Ikuban just, he has his moments, but he disappears a lot. And I don't know what happened to Mark Barron. He just like, I think he died secretly after last season. Yeah, I, I think that's what happened. He died, and the ghost of Mark Barron is out there not making tackles. You know, that's, oh, man, so frustrating to see. And in the secondary, okay, secondary, I have to toll back a little bit here because at least in the fourth quarter, something sparked in their head. I think it was a keep to leave making that interception like you mentioned. But in the secondary, uh, <laughs> they gave such big cushions, and I don't, you know, Alishon Jeffries is not that good of a wide receiver, but he looked like he looked like he was an all pro out there. 
And the reason being is because the man had open space. And I don't know what happened on that Nick Foles pass because it was such an awful rainbow pass. But yet he was open somehow. And I don't I really don't know what happened there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that that'll happen in the first three quarters. They kind of tightened up in the fourth quarter. I guess better late than never, but yeah. And then if we're going to go on to the special teams, anyone not named Greg Zerloin and and uh, Johnny Hecker, yeah, they, they didn't show up either. <laughs> you, you give me okay. a lot. You give me a lot to unpack here. And a lot of this we will get to later on in the show because uh, this is coming out Wednesday night, Thursday morning, so... We'll talk about more about some of these guys moving forward, but let me let me give some responses here, okay. Play calling. I think they came out with the right game plan. I I don't think this loss is as much on Sean McVay as last week's was. Still a little bit, but the play calling, I mean, they come out of the gate. Everyone wanted them to give Tagore the ball. They gave him the ball a lot. So they at least came out with the right game plan, and obviously, as we mentioned as you mentioned, he he got hurt. He ended up coming back, but you know the fact that he might not even play this week means that maybe he shouldn't have came back. But he was out there, and you, you know you're right. You got these backups on the roster. Maybe you want to trust him more. But at the same time, what what is there to trust? I mean, we haven't seen a- anything from Justin Davis in his career so far. We literally haven't seen anything from John Kelly until last night. So I, I get the hesitation to kind of give these guys the balls. But at the same time, the protection was not there for Jared Goff. And that's a, you know, you can trust your old line as much as you want, but this is two weeks in a row where they've struggled. You got to make some adjustments in that area, whether it's schemes in terms of blocking or just the overall play calling to help Jared Goff maybe get the ball out a little quicker, uh, you know, kind of get him settled a little more. And so that obviously didn't help. A lot of that is on Goff, who had had another bad game. I think it falls more on the offensive line because Jared Goff, and, and we mentioned this in the postgame show, Jared Goff, this is basically his second real season. For the most part, his line has had his back. I mean, they... They've given him all the protection he needs at any end of the field or any end of the spectrum. I don't, I don't know what, what that statement even is, but they've given him all the help he needs to succeed in the NFL. He hasn't really faced this kind of adversity in his entire career. I mean, the first year, every play was adversity and there wasn't anything to solve it. So he's really still learning as an NFL quarterback. He's only 24 years old. He's a fresh 24. He started the season at 23. So experiences like this, while I hate that they're happening, I'm glad they're happening now. So maybe the team can solve them. Maybe Goff in the next two weeks can get a little used to a struggling offensive line. Hopefully they rebound and we don't have to deal with that. But, you know, you got to hope that this will be more of a learning experience than a regression. And I personally think it is. But that remains to be seen in these final two games. The receivers, you mentioned they're not attacking the ball. I don't think these are that kind of receiver, you know, we don't have that guy who's going to go up and get you a touchdown in the end zone, which is why Todd Gurley scores so many touchdowns in the end zone. Josh Reynolds, in theory, could be that guy, but he's young, he's green, he's not that guy yet. He's 
he's impressed a lot. I've been very impressed with Josh Reynolds. And as our listeners know, we have not been impressed with Josh Reynolds, Johnny and I, for a very long time up until he's kind of stepped into this role. But Brandon Cooks and uh, Robert Woods, you know, Brandon Cooks is a speedster. He might burn you. Robert Cook- Cooks, what the hell? Robert Cooks? <laughs> Robert Woods. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this game has me all over the place. Robert Woods is a possession receiver, and you know he's a great route runner. He's going to be a guy that's going to get you plays. He's going to make plays. He's not going to be that guy that is going to you know go up between two defenders and haul down a crazy catch. He's just he isn't that guy, and that's fine. You know the guy is a borderline Pro Bowler. He's not a Pro Bowler. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, I the receivers. You know that's not you got to play to their strengths and when you're throwing it you know in double coverage stuff like that i don't think it is to their strengths they run themselves open that is their strengths and when jared Goff can find them it works but in recent games he has not been able to find them defensively you mentioned dominic and sue and he shoulders a lot of blame but johnny how many defensive linemen on this team are paid eight figure salaries that would be three three of them yeah, and one of those guys has avoided a lot of blame this season for whatever reason, because I think people don't like Nadamik and Sue, kind of rightfully so, given how his career has played out. The other guy, our friend Michael Brockers, who is you know a class act, a guy you want in your locker room, a great guy, a guy I'm happy is on his team and deserved every penny of his contract. He's been just as disappointing as Sue. I, I think he's been just as frustrating. I know you expect a little more than Sue from sue than him but brockers is getting paid money and when sue is getting you know he's kind of getting the second most looks in terms of blocking you he's the guy you're gonna focus on the second most if brockers a guy who makes eight figures is getting is the third most keyed in guy on the offense defensive line he should be getting to the quarterback too and you know dante fowler obviously uh, a disappointment in this game but and he's still getting his footing, um, and I, I don't expect as much from him as I do from these two. I think Sue and uh, Brockers, they were, they're equally disappointing. They both shoulder the blame. Um, the linebackers, I mean, they, yeah, yeah, they're, they're a mess. And uh, the secondary, obviously, Aqib Tlaib was not great in this game, but he's still getting his footing back. I liked what I saw from Marcus Peters and John Johnson, and... Uh, Joyner actually made some plays in this game. So the secondary, they didn't start out great. But overall, I still think this loss is on the offense a lot more than it is on the defense, even though the defense wasn't great. Um, overall, I, I wasn't too upset with their performance. Uh, I, you got any response to any of that? Yeah, I mean, uh, particularly with Michael Brockers, I think what it was uh, with Brockers is last year he showed up basically in, in the stat in the stack column, you know, which was something we really didn't see a whole lot of in, in his most of his career. And the the reason being is because the, his whole purpose of being drafted was to help ease, ease the way for the offensive line. He was supposed to be, you know, that working cog in the middle. And he he's kind of had to switch roles a little bit after moving over to a three, four defense and it worked. It worked the, his first year. But for whatever reason, one of the reasons why it's not working this year, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I think that one of the things that should be done with Brockers is he needs to be moved 
moved uh, back in the middle, I'd say. I, I would like to see them experiment with switching Brockers and Sue around, uh, maybe seeing if that helps both of them. Because, you know what, maybe it will. In these last two games, we're not going to look past anybody because this team has lost two in a row. But these should be wins. They should, if we lose either of these games, uh, we will be in full panic mode, I think. But both of these games should be wins. And I, I just want to say something about Marcus Peters because, oh, well, we need to talk about him too because of his, if you haven't seen this video on just Google Marcus Peter fan and you will see Marcus Peter walk up to a fan who's talking some smack to him and kind of just, you know, talk smack back. And I'm going to have the man's back here. And Johnny, I think you agree. If you're talking, if you're talking, I'm just going to be blunt. If you're talking shit to a player and he comes back and talks shit to you, you probably have it coming, all right? Just because you paid good money for tickets doesn't mean you could heckle players on the field and not have them respond to you. I'm not saying it's the right thing for players to do, but I am saying it's not the wrong thing for them to do. I know they're getting paid millions of dollars to be out there, but someone's talking shit to you, man. You're allowed to talk shit back. You're not going to walk up and fight the fan. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't be doing that. But, you know, you, if you can dish it, you got you to gotta be able to take it too. And I don't know why some people were so upset with this. But, I mean, before I get to my other Marcus Peters point, Johnny, I think you agree with me on this, right? Oh, absolutely. Because uh, if you do watch this uh, video, you can clearly hear what the guy says. It, it, it's... It's pretty obvious what he's saying. I'm not going to repeat it just because, well, that's stupid for me to repeat it. But um, just listen for yourself. And honestly, there are some things that you, you, you just don't tell anybody, you know. And and I feel like the fan crossed the line. And, you know, <laughs> Peter stuck up for himself and basically called him out on it. I, I know technically... If you're going to talk about being a leader and being a good role model, yes, yes. I, I mean, you you got to be the bigger person and walk away. But the way I see that is screw that because, you know what, it, this is, this is uh, the type of place where you, you're getting stuff done. And no matter how you feel about Marcus Peters, whether you're a fan, you're not a fan, respect the players, guys. You know, they're, they're the reasons that you come on Sundays. And if you can't respect them, then, then just stay home, you know? Right. You know, uh, just just do it from the safety of, of your home, you know? Because <laughs> you're not going to like it when they fight back. And, uh, well, he did. And he clearly was in the right, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know if you – this kind of – I always think of this in terms of bad fan interactions. But uh, Russell Westbrook and – when the Thunder got eliminated from the playoffs last year, and Russell Westbrook, a guy who I'm not the biggest fan of, he's walking off the court, and a Jazz fan is shoving a phone in his face. You know what Russell Westbrook does? Slaps the phone right out of his hand. You're going to put stick your phone in an opposing player's face right as they got eliminated from the playoffs and obviously are not happy? You deserve your phone to be cracked into a million pieces, okay? I know you paid for those seats, but that's not part of the package when you pay for a seat is to just... Shove your phone in the guy's face angrily after your team just won. Don't be a sore winner, all right? And we lost this game. So, I mean, if you're mad about the players, just boo them. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really love when fans boo their own team. But I'd rather that than just someone talking shit to players. Because there are guys, all right? 
booing, I think, is the most respectful way you can say we're disappointed. Um, but my other point on Peters, Johnny, when we traded for Marcus Peters, did you like what? What excited you about getting him? Like briefly. Well, the the thing about Marcus Peters, at least you know, in recent years, was he's he's a playmaker, an absolute playmaker, and. You know, I I realized when we got him that he was also kind of an all-or-nothing kind of cornerback. But this season, for the most part, he's been just a nothing cornerback. None of the all. And that's what we've been lacking, honestly. Right. And he deserves criticism for that. But you know what we never mentioned at any point when talking about Marcus Peters when we traded for him and during the season? How good of a tackler he is. Why are people pointing out plays where Marcus Peters doesn't go and seek out making a tackle? You don't trade for this guy to make freaking tackles. The other nine guys on the defense besides the outside cornerbacks are the guys, the nine most important players to be making tackles. People are pointing out like inside runs that go for a first down or go for a touchdown acting like Marcus Peters lack of effort to go get the football and make the tackle is just another reason why he's been a disappointment we didn't trade for this guy to make tackles we nobody ever expected him to be good tackler he's not a good tackler if you looked up his scouting report it would say cons bad tackler because he's not a good tackler most cornerbacks aren't so I just Anyone pointing out those videos of him putting in a lack of effort on tackles, just just cut it out. All right, he's not a tackler. He's never been a tackler. He's never going to be a tackler. Maybe our linebackers should start making tackles. So I wanted to point out Marcus Peters not making tackles on plays that shouldn't have came even near him. All right, I'm done. Um, <laughs> like, come on, man. He's not a tackler. We have tacklers, and they're not tackling. Don't blame it on Mar- Marcus Peters. All right. We'll come back to a lot of this stuff, I'm sure, when we preview the Cardinals game. But we're going to talk about a lot of news that has come out of the Rams here. But before we do, guys, I know most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn a bit more about the team, a bit of a personally touch in the team's history, you got to check out our sponsor, Jim Hawk, and his book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lines of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out a son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Guys, you're going to learn about a lot of interesting things in this book, including stories about guys like Crazy Legs Hirsch, Norm Van Brocklin, Les Richter, and Tom Fears in this story spanning the 1950s LA Ram. If you want to buy it, you can go find it at HollywoodTeam.com. You can follow it on Twitter at HollywoodTeam. And if you're looking for hardback and electronic form, hit up Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles. And, of course, you can find it through various other booksellers on the Internet. If your bookseller doesn't have it, tell them you want it. Maybe they'll go get it. Everyone, it's worth every penny for all Rams fans out there. But it's also just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, guys, trust me, Hollywood's team Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's absolutely worth your time. All right. We got it's, – it's big news week here. Uh, some good, some bad. But the biggest news out of today was the Rams signed veteran running back C.J. Anderson. But before we get to that, let's talk about who they cut. They cut Pharaoh Cooper, who 
the second starter from last season to be cut in the middle of the year. Obviously, Cooper was injured for a lot of the year. Um, he Jojo Natson came in when Cooper got healthy. They gave him his kick returning job back, but not his punt returning job back. Natson coming off the worst game he's had with the Rams. Uh, I think a fair amount of people, including myself, honestly, thought he might have been on the chopping block because they might have just slotted Cooper back in the punt returner. Instead, it's the other way around. So, Johnny, I mean, how, do you think this was the right call? It, it, it's tough because I do like Farrell Cooper, but this is a very limited guy. You know, Farrell Cooper was not ever going to be used in the passing game. And for the most part, he really wasn't used much uh, when he came back. You know, they kind of gave him a kick returning job. Didn't really do a whole lot, honestly. And, you know, I, I really don't have much of a feeling on on cutting Cooper just because he wasn't doing much anymore. It seemed like they lost a lot of faith in him. And, you know, it's better to just let him go and, and develop, you know, other guys to take his place. Now, in terms of JoJo, I I still like the guy. I mean, he made a critical mistake, and it's real easy to just, you know, crucify this guy for for just, you know, making such a horrible, horrible mistake in such a crucial moment. And that that's exactly what happened. And I'm still trying to figure out how he lost the football because nobody ended up hitting him. But we also need to remember that up until really that point, JoJo Natson was actually a solid returner. And I think that's what, what happened here was that they want to reinforce their faith in Natson. And I, I think this is basically a message not only to you know the fans and, and to the league, but also to Natson himself that he's our guy. You know, and I'm okay with that just because, again, it's real easy to look at what he did this past Sunday. But in the end, I'm I'm kind of with with the with the team on this one, just because I I did like everything Natson did up until that point. Right. If you know, I I, you kind of think like Natson lost his job in this game, but at the same time, if we went by that logic, Cooper wouldn't have been on the team at all this year after the playoff game last year. So I, I kind of trust the coaching staff here to go with which guy they have more faith in. On the post-game show, I, I kind of thought Cooper would be that guy. But I, I think both are solid return men. Um, obviously, we haven't seen a ton from Cooper this year. He hasn't looked fantastic as a kick returner. And I'm sure the coaches have seen him in practice returning punts. If they didn't like what they see, they felt more comfortable with Nelson. I, I'd rather them cut... We don't, you know, we don't need two return men. It'd be like if Sam Ficken was still on the team or Cairo Santos, more realistically, because we're not itching for Ficken anymore. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, it's fine. You know, I don't know if it's the right call, but I trust the coaches to make sure it was the right call. I think compared to when we cut Jamon Brown, that was at a position that is more critical if someone gets hurt. You know, you're cutting a guy who played well last year as a starter who had been starting on the Giants this year since he went there. Not that that means a ton, but the, yeah, it's 
it is what it is. We needed to fill a roster spot. Uh, Cooper, you know, had a hell of a season last year. He's an all pro. He'll be on a team next year. He might be on a team this year again, depending on who needs a return man. But yeah, man, if, if something happens to Natson, knock on what it doesn't, I, I hope they bring Cooper back. But it is what it is. Let's talk about the other side of this acquisition. The Rams signed CJ Anderson today, which more importantly means they probably don't expect both Todd Gurley and Justin Davis to be playing on Sunday. Now, that doesn't mean they won't. This this is, you know, you need more depth at running back than you do at punt returner. But bringing in CJ Anderson, uh, he's a vet guy, obviously wasn't phenomenal with Carolina this year, but with the loss of Malcolm Brown, I, I don't think this is a bad mood regardless of who plays on Sunday. But, I mean, now that we've made this move, Johnny, I mean, what do you think about this move? And, I mean, do you think this will have any implication on what happens Sunday? It, I think it will. And I, I think as far as um, C.J. Anderson is concerned, I like the signing because he he's the veteran presence, other than Gurley, obviously, uh, kind of fulfilling the role of, of Malcolm Brown. And I, I kind of like the the different aspect there because uh, behind Todd Gurley, you basically had Davis and, and Kelly. Uh, and as you mentioned, Davis may not be ready to go. So rather than forcing him to come back and, you know, play injured, uh, much like what they did with Gurley, you know, you have basically these two backs that can – be nice compliments with each other when you really think about it. But this only works if, if uh, you know, they trust Kelly. And that's kind of what my question is, 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 is Sean McVay comfortable enough to really use Kelly out there? Or, you know, maybe there's something, you know, we're not seeing. Maybe, you know, during practice, Kelly isn't really performing as well as we think he might but um either way you know cj anderson can't be that every down back that's really not what he's capable of anymore right and and i don't think they would expect him to be i think given how he's he's coming in this week if Gurley doesn't play it probably will be a mix of both i think depending on what's going on with justin davis and i either way playoff wise if someone needs to spell Todd Gurley, I'd probably feel a little better with C.J. Anderson coming out there. Not that he's that exciting or anything. Then, you know, Justin Davis and John Kelly, who have not been tested at all. And I like John Kelly. I think we, I think most Rams fans like John Kelly. But the guy hasn't played at all, really. I mean, he got a couple snaps this week. But what, are you going to throw that guy out there in a high-pressure playoff game? I mean, I... C.J. Anderson, he's been through the ringer. He's a former pro bowler. You know, you throw him out there for a couple plays here and there. I'm fine with it. Um, in terms of if it means Gurley's not going to go this week, if he's not 100%, I, I don't think you play him. I mean, if he's 90, maybe you throw him out there. Anything less than that, I, I'm not playing him. I think, you know, we should be able to beat freaking Arizona without him, but like, I can't believe we're actually having, or at least I'm having slight second thoughts about that because this has all of a sudden become a must-win game. It kind of was all along. It's not a game we could have afforded to lose, but now we really can't afford to lose it because we have to win out 
with the Bears hot on our tail to keep the bye, which I don't. We definitely need that bye right now. So, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I ultimately think it's maybe 60-40 that Gurley plays this week. But regardless if he plays or not, I would rather have C.J. Anderson moving forward as depth than having two kick returners. And it sucks because Farrell Cooper was a guy that was good for us last year up until the playoffs. But this is a move that probably had to happen with that with Malcolm Brown not being around. Yeah, definitely okay with the signing. And if I'm going to be 100% honest, I I kind of hope, you know, I, I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I kind of hope they, they sit Todd Gurley. Just because I don't know, uh, this is kind of hard to say it after the past couple of weeks, but uh, I don't know if the Rams really need Todd Gurley for this game. And before you interrupt there, I realize, you know, the offense has not been the same offense that we've seen earlier this season. But um, I say this because we need a healthy Todd Gurley for the playoffs. And I don't know if you should rest him against San Francisco unless he absolutely can't go. Then, yes, obviously rest him. But for this game, I would be okay with, with Todd Gurley sitting this game and just relying on, on C.J. Anderson and John Kelly. I, I think that would be ideal, honestly. This way you can get some more experience in there for just in case if Todd Gurley isn't available come playoff times also. So in my opinion, it's more of a win-win doing that. It may not be the blowout that we saw earlier this year, but it'll also give more time and more opportunity for a guy like John Kelly to develop because he's never going to move up to the next level in terms of his role playing if if you know you keep him at no touches and that's essentially that's what's been happening you need to actually play him in order for him to gain the necessary experience yeah i'm with it i think if Tigerly is ready to go you let him go because I think we should we should still be able to blow out the Cardinals without Todd Gurley. I mean, I'm sorry. They're terrible. They got blown out by the Falcons this week, who have been awful all year. So they should be able to take care of business handedly without Todd Gurley. But at the same time, if if he's ready to go, if he's you no know, 100% or like if you're talking about a school system grading scale, if he's in the A to A-plus percentile, which would be like 93 to 100, I still think you throw him out there. Maybe you limit his carries a little bit. Maybe you get, you know, like you said, mix John Kelly in there. Maybe you get C.J. Anderson a little loose. But if he's below that, yeah, sit him. We, we should not need him to win this game. Uh, the Cardinals' run defense is terrible. A, an unproven John Kelly should be able to do some things against them. And a passes prime C.J. Anderson also should be able to do some things against them. So if, if he's not good to go... I'd like to see these guys get tested because, you know, God forbid something worse happens to Todd Gurley, we're going to need them. And that's that's frightening, and I hope we're not in this scenario. But I, I, w- I wouldn't be upset if we got to see them this week because I want Todd Gurley healthy for January, not for December. Okay, the last bit of news here is the Pro Bowl players have been announced today, and the Rams only had four. And... You know, I, the four Pro Bowlers, by the way, I probably should have said that. Quarterback Jared Goff, uh, 
after the last three weeks. Maybe doesn't deserve it as much, but the other QBs are Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. So Goff was kind of a no-brainer here. Uh, me and Johnny talked before the show. Maybe Russell Wilson should have gotten over Aaron Rodgers, but this isn't a Packers or Seahawks podcast, so I don't need to dwell on it too much. The other guys, Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, obviously no-brainers. And Corey Littleton, not as a linebacker, but as a specialist for special teams, which, again, I think is also a no-brainer. But, Johnny, how do you feel about these four making it and any guys that didn't make it that you're kind of surprised about? Uh, These four were absolute no-brainers to me as far as the NFC side. If you wanted to make a argument for Russell Wilson, I, I believe he should have gotten the nod over Aaron Rodgers, and I, I don't think you take out Jared Goff in that point. So I think that was the right call. Todd Gurley, obviously, dude is uberly talented, and yeah, he needs to be celebrated for it. Aaron Donald, he is an MVP candidate and as far as I'm concerned, so if he's not there, there's something wrong. And Corey Littleton um, has performed very well this year. And I, I'm glad that he that he ended up making the uh, the Pro Bowl roster because I, I believe he is probably the only linebacker that has performed well all season, um, with the exception of you know Ibukam in certain in certain instances. But Littleton has really shined, and I, I I'd have to say I'm proud of him for that. Snubs, uh, I don't think we really have one uh with the exception of johnny hecker i believe johnny hecker got snubbed a little bit but i could kind of understand just because he you know he hasn't really punted as much as he usually has so his numbers are a little bit lower than in past years but he's still really impressive for when he does actually punt and you could probably say, make an argument for Greg the Leg, but he was injured for a good portion of the year. So that's probably why he didn't get the nod. Other than that, I'd like to say guys like uh, Brendan Cooks, um, I think deserved, you know, a shout out. But yeah, I, I you know, I can, uh, I can kind of see why he wasn't, you know, called in either. But you could probably make an argument for a guy like Brandon Cooks, too. Other than that, I don't know of anyone else. Yeah, so the four guys that were, you know, I think could be in the conversation, I thought were Cooks and Hecker, and then Robert Woods and John Johnson. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people who are, like, calling for all these guys to make the Pro Bowl. But when you look at who made it over them, all right, they're wide receivers in the Pro Bowl are Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen, and Devontae Adams. As much as I love Cooks and Woods and has good of a season they've had, they don't deserve it over any of those four guys. And there's not really an argument for them making over any of those four guys. I mean, I know Thielen and Thomas have slowed down a little bit, but those guys were absolute monsters the first half of the season. Julio and Adams have been monsters the whole year. Then you go to John Johnson, who has been had a, had a phenomenal year. He's been really impressive. I, I know he's been campaigning hard on Twitter, but safeties, Eddie Jackson, Harrison Smith, Landon Collins, it, I, again, I think those are no-brainers over John Johnson. No disrespect to him. Love him. But had a hell of a year. And then Hecker, you know, you, you nailed it, dude. He never punts. 
The guy never punts. We've punted 38 times this season. And the guy who made it, Seattle's Michael Dixon, rookie, having a great year. He's punted 68 times. So he's obviously had a lot more chances to punt the ball and make big plays. His average punt is the highest in the NFL. Net punt second. Uh, Inside the 20, he is eighth. But um, he's only... He's punted 68 times, ninth in the NFL in punts. Johnny Hecker, 38. 38 punts. That's 31st in the NFL. And what's funny was when I was looking at this, so I mentioned Johnny Hecker's 38 punts. 17 of them have fallen inside the 20, which, to be honest, for Hecker isn't great. Uh, I think he should be able to get in inside the 20 from a lot of different parts of the field. So I get I get why he didn't get the nod. Uh, I still probably think he's the best punter in the league, but you know, four time All Pro. I don't think he's losing much sleep over it. But here's a stat I wanted to point out: Hecker's punted 38 times, 17 inside the 20. That's fifth to last in the NFL. Last place is Oakland with 12 punts inside the 20. They punted 61 times. So wow. Uh, we made fun of him for getting rid of Marquette or, you know, people clowned him for getting rid of Marquette King. And you know what? They're, they're missing him. Their punter is terrible. Well, worse than the NFL average punt. The Oakland punter is dead last and they've been punting a lot. So maybe they could have used Marquette King who, you know, also not having a phenomenal season, but better than Oakland. So, yeah, I mean, the four guys that made, it, I think are deserving and, with the offensive line, it's kind of surprising to see no one getting in. Particularly, I think Saffold probably had the strongest case. And, you know, Andrew Whitworth, is he's been a, a shoe in the last couple of years. But you know what, Johnny? I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm not defending any of the offensive linemen this week. I don't care that they didn't make the Pro Bowl. After the last two games, I'm not going to sit here and act like they should be. I almost mentioned Whitworth just because... For most of the year, he performed very well. And even even these past few games, yes, he struggled a lot more than he has pretty much his entire career. But even still, uh, I would say that you could make an argument for him. But, yeah, I, you know, it, does it surprise me? Not necessarily just because of what we've been seeing recently, but... Um, I I think that that Whitworth had a good should have had a good shot of getting in. Saffold, yeah, I guess you could mention him too, but the rest not so much. Yeah, I mean, I think both of those guys will be alternates. Um, as I actually think Robert Woods might be too, unless I think of somebody who's more does. Ooh, would Amari Cooper count in the NFC as a Pro Bowler? He might. I wouldn't actually yeah you know because it wasn't until recently that he's had a spark and to be honest with you he's kind of hit or miss too because yeah. i he's on my fantasy team so i know this but oh yeah um you know there are times where he's giving you amazing amazing fantasy points and there are weeks like last week where he's kind of quiet so even with this new transition to dallas he's still not that consistent a lot better than in oakland actually in oakland he didn't do anything but 
yeah, if he gets in, I'll, I'll be a little bit upset because, you know, he, he truly didn't deserve it this year, I would say. Yeah, and there's a lot of good players. You know, we're all going to be a little bummed that Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks didn't make the Pro Bowl, but it's a numbers game, a lot of these, and like half these guys will probably drop out, and hopefully our guys won't be able to play in this game because they'll be in the Super Bowl, but half these guys always like drop out. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is not in the Pro Bowl, so like I think that says all you need to know about how tough some of these spots can be to get, and receiver is one of those that's tough, and running back is too, so yeah, it's guys are going to get snubbed, it happens, but... Yeah, it's so, you know, maybe we'll talk about a little bit more about the Pro Bowl and who's there when the Pro Bowl happens because there won't be another football to talk about that week except previewing the Super Bowl, which hopefully we'll be playing within. But before we get to our current Super Bowl against the Cardinals, the game that's a must-win, Johnny, how about you tell us about our sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop? Okay, well, you know how we support our our players, you know, to get to the Pro Bowl, right? That's right. So why not actually give a support to one of our own uh why don't give a shout out to golden rab barbershop if you're looking for a nice place to get a haircut in the orange county area you know honestly even if you don't live in the orange county area if you live in socal give this guy a call he does excellent he does excellent work and you know you can find him at 13755 golden west street in westminster california 92683 sal martinez opened his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day they left for St. Louis and kept the light on ever since. He's been, he's by appointment only. I mean, you know, guy's a busy guy. So make sure you, uh, you make your appointments, get that locked in. And it's totally worth it because you can sit down, have a nice haircut. Best of all, I think one of the best experience uh, as somebody who has actually uh, received a haircut there, is while you're getting a really nice haircut, you could talk Rams football. And this guy, uh, Sal Martinez, is extremely knowledgeable of not only the Rams, but in football in general. So it, it is really a good experience and one of the best experiences I personally have ever had, um, you know, getting a haircut. So, yeah, definitely uh, look them up. Give him a call. He's, as I said, by appointment only. Give him a call at 714 714- 894-RAMS or 7267. Uh, use the promo code RAMSTOCK. Let him know that we sent you because, hey, you know, we want to make sure that uh, he's taken real good care of. You know, he takes care of us, so let's take care, good care of him. Damn uh, right. Op- exactly. Golden <laughs> Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 to 6 p.m. And on Saturday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. He is not open on Sundays, guys. He's watching football, especially Rams football. Uh, he he was probably like us, you know, kind of yelling at the TV for uh past few games. But uh, that's another story. So <laughs> visit his shop. Go ahead and make sure you visit his shop. If nothing else, you'll see one of the most impressive memorabilia collections that I've personally ever met, witnessed of Rams gear. I tell you one thing. I want some of his stuff. You know, Sal, hook me up. <laughs> you know, not just with the haircut, but maybe with some of your memorabilia. Uh but yeah, give them a call, guys. You truly won't regret it. Got to get your merch, man. Got to get your merch. Uh, all right, so wrapping things up here, and you know we—it's been a bit of a longer podcast, but guys, there's there's a lot to talk about. 
we have the Arizona Cardinals on the road this week. Now, we saw the Cardinals way back in week two where the Rams won 34 to nothing, and things have not gotten better for the Cardinals. They've seen plenty of blowouts this year. Uh, looking at their schedule, you know, they were competitive in a decent amount of games, but blown out by us, blown out by the Broncos, blown out by the Chargers, blown out by the Falcons, dropped three points against Detroit last week, and yeah, they're not good. Uh, Josh Rosen's not good, but you know, it's year one, so we're not writing him off yet. David Johnson can't carry the offense by himself. He hasn't been good. The defense has actually been okay. It's one of the better passing defenses in the NFL, believe it or not. So run defense-wise, I mean, they're Swiss cheese. They're If Tiger is healthy and can go, we should be able to run all over them. Without him, it should be a good tune-up for this game. But this will be an interesting test in the passing game for Jared Goff because they're not pushovers in Arizona in that pass defense. Patrick Peterson is still one of the best in the league. But, I mean, Johnny, what do you expect in this Cardinals game, a game that we shouldn't win, fine, but what do you expect to see in this game from the Rams, and you know, what are you kind of hoping to see from us? You know, I don't know if I can say that I expect the same kind of blowout that we witnessed in the early weeks, but I can honestly say that I expect a at least a big win. If Gurley is 100% and is ready to go, then I say we win by a wide margin, like a really wide margin. But, you know, if we have to rely on, like, C.J. Anderson and John Kelly, uh, it might be a little tougher, but am I at all nervous about this game? Not really, and I know kind of the uh, the angry fan in a lot of us is saying, well, let's hope they win this game, guys. They're going to win this game. You know, they, they lost a heartbreaker to Philly last week, and they really should have won that game. But I think that this is kind of the put-up-or-shut-up time, and I think the kind of the captains on this team realize this already. So I expect this to be uh, a big win. Maybe maybe not like shutout or blowout, but a pretty decent-sized win. It's, it's almost unfathomable, unfathomable to me that we shut a team out this season. Like, I... <laughs> I can't even believe that that happened. That that feels like a lifetime ago, man. Uh, <laughs> shut out the Cardinals and our boy Sammy Bradford, who is not there anymore. But, I mean, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'm a little nervous about... I want to see Jared Goff have a good game. And I think we said that last week. We're going to go up against one of the most de- depraved, beaten up, injured secondaries in the NFL that had been absolutely awful in the games leading up to that game and what happens Goff has you know his second or third worst game of the season depending on how you feel about that Denver game so I, he needs to have a bounce back game the offensive line needs to hold their own and protect him and give him some time to get his mojo back because he sure as hell needs to find it in these last few games or else we're losing in the first round of the playoffs and I, I we need to get our mojo back I think we said that last week it didn't happen. I mean, I don't know if this is going to be a complete blowout, but if this game is a single-digit game, then that that scares me because this Arizona team is not good at all. They're they're terrible. You know, they have a couple good players here and there, and like I mentioned, you know, the pass defense is decent, but 
part of the reason the pass defense's numbers are good is because teams get up by so many points, they can just run all over them. I mean, Atlanta ran for 215 yards against this defense. We're talking about Atlanta, who has not been able to do much of anything this season. I mean, they ran for over 110 yards twice before that game. And so this this is a game that we should win. I mean, it, it really shouldn't be close, but <laughs> I don't... I don't know, man. It, we need to see God play well. We need to see the line blocking. And we need to see this defense actually shut down people for an entire game instead of for a quarter here and there. Especially this awful offense. I mean, all you need to do is key in on David Johnson and stop him. And our run defense hasn't been great. Our pass defense hasn't been great. So it, it, this is this is the tune-up game that we need. And we it needs to look like a tune-up game. It needs to... Look like a game that we control from start to finish, even if it's not a complete blowout, that we have a comfortable margin, a comfortable lead for the entire game. And, and I, I hate that I'm slightly concerned about this game. I mean, I I don't think we're going to lose either. I don't think there's really a chance. I think my prediction, I don't even know, I 27 to 10, I guess. I, and I don't even feel great that they're going to reach that prediction, but that that's as far as I can go, 27 to 10. Uh, well, actually, even though you were so unsure of this score, your score was actually a lot, um, was a wider margin than I'm giving them. Uh, I'm saying 28 to 14, and I I almost said less than that, but I, I think I think defensively we can, we can get back to it considering, you know, linebackers actually show up to play other than Corey Littleton. Offensively, I think we'll be fine. It's the defense that does kind of concern me a little bit, particularly the run defense. I don't think you know they'll be able to pass on us too much, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, ideally, Marcus Peters and Akeem Talib would each have an interception, two sacks for Nadamik and Sue, a sack for Michael Brockers, nineteen tackles, all unassisted for Mark Barron. Uh, obviously, those are ideal defensive stats probably none of those will happen except for maybe those interceptions uh shout out to Talib man for sticking around in that game after kind of getting abused which play was more embarrassing do you think the catch where Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar were behind both behind the entire defense or uh <laughs> the Jared Goff play I don't even need to go into details if I had to pick one, I would probably say the Jared Goff one just because it was such a poor decision. But, yeah, I'd have to go with that one. Yeah, just fall on the football, man. You know, that that was one thing that we've I've talked about in other podcasts that Jared Goff, he needs to do a better job not making mistakes. And I like how aggressive he plays at times, but there are interceptions he makes that they're not even that aggressive. They're just dumb. You know, you make an aggressive throw and the cornerback makes good play, like what we actually saw against Arizona way back when, you know, he, he threw a pick to Patrick Peterson near the end zone that Peterson just made a nice play on. And that's the kind of aggressive plays you make compared to whatever the hell he was doing on that interception. You know, <laughs> it might have been a fumble. It might have not been a pass, but it was caught, so it didn't even matter. Um, But yeah, man. Uh, this is going on an hour, so 
I think we could wrap it up here. Johnny, any of your fantasy team still alive? No, my, my fantasy team is officially dead. Rest in peace, Le'Veon Bell. You know, you really screwed me this year. Oh, man. I, I made it in one league. I'm in a lot of leagues, so one's not good to the championship. Shout out to Russell Wilson, Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton, not Odell, who has not been active for my entire playoff run, but every everyone else that got me there, I appreciate you. Evan Ingram had a good day for me this week, and to basically every good player in fantasy last week that wasn't on my team because they either got injured or played terrible. It was a miserable week for everybody. So to all my fellow owners that are playing in their championships, shout out to you. You deserve it. Let us know if you end up winning next week. And, yeah, I mean, we'll be back next week, hopefully, after a win. This is the third week in a row I'm saying that. (laughs) Hopefully we get there. Oh, Johnny, by the way, your prediction's dead. They're not going 14-2 anymore, but my 13-3 and is still alive. So I think I'm going to be the one right here. Yeah, when we lost to Philly, I think that's what pissed me off the most is I'm like, guys, you you messed it up this late in the season. You messed up my prediction. So now (laughs) I won't be two in a row. I hope you're happy, guys. Did you have them losing any of the post-bye week games? No. Well, I I had them losing against the 49ers. Uh, oh, why? Because they weren't even going to try? Yeah, oh, man. I, I had them, you know, resting their starters. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, 49ers, and little did I know they'd lose to the Bears and the Eagles. Classic. I had the Vikings, the Seahawks, and the Chiefs. So I got one of the three losses right. But if they I, get the record, <laughs> I don't know, man. I wish I, I wish I we were both wrong. On, I was on par, Steve. I was on par. I had them I, I had them losing to the Saints. They lost to the Saints. And I was like, perfect. Like I had everything literally lined up and then they lost to the Bears. And I'm like, okay, well at least I have the record. Then they lost to the Eagles and I'm like, well now I'm screwed. Thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs> you came close, man. You came close. But yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Uh follow us on Twitter at Steve Ribeiro at Johnny Five Not Six and of course Rams Talk at Talk Rams. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rams Talk. Join the Rams Talk room on Facebook. That's where you can talk to us, ask us any questions you want. Uh talk to some other great members of the Ramley out there. If you can't find it, message any of us. Johnny, myself, Derek, Norm, we will get you in that group. And of course find the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM spotify and ie beat radio and of course if you're looking to sponsor if you know a business that's a good fit to sponsor us you know bars breweries uh, restaurants pizza shops anything guys our numbers are growing it's gonna be a great way to get your listeners or to get our listeners familiar with what you guys do i know sal and jim have had great experience with us and we hope we can add to our group of sponsors and you know it'd be great but anyways guys For Johnny Gomez, this is Steve Ribeiro. Pray for a win.
Let's make Vision Zero a reality in DC. Almost half of DC's traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. DC police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.